is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Susan, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to continue talking about uh, how to begin to believe in God and why it's so hard to do that. That's right. Why is it so hard for some of us to believe in God? Today, we'll talk about how some of us have failed in the past and why we need God in our lives so much. Susan, will you begin today's program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. We pray now that you will help us to learn more and more how to um, just to believe in you and at every moment of our lives it's so important that we believe you not in the things around us and so we we trust you now and we trust your holy spirit to guide and direct our thoughts in jesus name amen amen susan do you agree that we need change yes yes you do but see i have a problem i hate change I do not like change. My (laughs) wife will attest to that. I don't like getting in the shower, and I don't like getting out. I don't like change at all. My ideal vacation spot is where? At home. At home. Susan likes to go all over the place, but I I don't. And so uh, I made a a deal with her. I said, we'll put a pool in, and then we'll have our vacation spot at home. But that worked for about a year and a half, and now she's got the bug again. And she wants to go, go, go. I like change. She likes change. But we need a change of heart, don't we? You know, uh, a former employer of mine, very good friend of mine, one time was, um, uh, we used to, uh, about once a week, eat lunch together at the office. And I would bring my lunch that my wife had made for me. And Fred would bring his lunch that he had made for himself. And the reason he made it for himself was he liked certain things to eat and Basically, he liked ham and cheese and Cheetos and and Dor- Doritos, cheese, everything cheese, 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 and a soda pop. And myself, I was just getting clean and sober at the time, and my wife and I uh, had done a lot of damage to ourselves. And so we had just, just turned vegetarian and tried to eat and drink a lot of water and stay as healthy as we possibly could. Right, because we, re- we recognized all the damage we had caused, and we needed to give our bodies an opportunity to heal. So, So I would eat my lunch— on this one side and he would look at it and make fun of it and then of course I would look at his and make fun of his and I said one of these days what was in your lunch my lunch I had, we had grapefruit uh, orange you know veggie sandwich and stuff like that and so he you know by rights he should make fun of that so he was making fun of that and uh, this would happen year after year after year for about eight years or so and I kept telling him when well, one of these days that diet's going to get to you and uh, well one day he was on a cruise and he uh, he had some type of episode, and he ended up in the in the ICU or whatever they have on a cruise ship to, to take care of you as best they can till they get you off the boat. So he ends up going to the hospital the next day, and naturally they did a, they did a stress test on him to find out what was going on. He had some kind of heart issues, but they didn't know what it was. And so immediately after the stress test, the nurse 
uh, called the doctor and told him the results. The nurse says, you're not leaving here. But then she called the doctor, and the doctor says, you know what, tell him to go on home, but we'll get a hold of him tomorrow. Well, something happened. He fell through the cracks somehow. And one month went by. Two months went by. Well, immediately he changed his diet. Immediately. And so two months went by. And finally, you know, we were all getting kind of nervous. And I said, you know what? I, I kind of arranged a blind date for him. I had a friend of mine named Andy who was a doctor. And we were having a get-together out at the house. So I said, Fred, could you bring the, the, the shade structures out to our uh, and come out to our uh, our little get-together and, and uh, let's put them up and we'll have some people over. So Fred came out and we put the shade structures up. And then Andy showed up. And I remember them sitting on the... Uh, on the uh, retaining wall there, and they were talking and talking, and finally the event got over, and everybody went their separate ways, and then I got a phone call about an hour later, and Andy said, what's your what's your boss's phone number? I said, why? He says, I got a bed for him at the hospital right now. Really? That night, Fred was in, in the hospital bed. A few days later, he was on the operating table having a five-way bypass, and so then... Immediately after, he they took him up to ICU, and they hadn't hooked him up to the machinery yet. But there he was laying in the bed, and they said, you might as well go home now. He came through the operation all right. He's breathing. He's fine. And so we went home. And no sooner did we get home, we got a phone call. And it was the hospital saying, something's wrong. You better get back down here. Well, apparently when they hooked up the the machinery to his heart, they could find out that he was having a heart attack. What had happened was... One of the veins they harvested, they put in, had a clot in it, and the other one, they stitched the backside when they stitched. I don't know what happened. They stitched it shut. So they had to go up his leg and do a, uh, do two stints in there. So he kind of had a bad day. He had a heart attack, five-way bypass, and two stints put in all in one day. And needless to say, he had a very short recovery because he immediately began living healthy, exercising, and doing everything he could to benefit his health. And he's very healthy today because he had a change of heart. Literally, he had a change of heart. Now, I told that story because that is a, that is a literal story about how circumstances can sometimes cause someone to have a change of heart, can't they? That's right. And I know my circumstances caused me to have a change of heart, and I know Susan's circumstances have her, caused her to have a change of heart, but we're talking about a different change of heart. You know, when Jesus speaks of the new heart, he means the mind, the life, the whole being. To have a change of heart is to withdraw the affections from the world and fasten them to Christ. To have a new heart is to have a new mind, new purposes, new motives. What's the sign of a new heart? A changed life. Now, last week we talked about ruts and about how the truck was stuck in a rut and it, how they occur in our brain. But this week we're going to talk about computers. Computers. What causes your computer to crash? What causes it to crash? A pebcac error, right? Problem exists between chair and keyboard? Yes. <laughs> Usually that's what happens, but not always. Usually when the computer crashes, it's that hard drive, isn't it? Yes. There's a bunch of information stored on the hard drive, and sometimes that information gets corrupted. This will either cause the computer to work insufficiently or not at all, kind of like our brains. When they get corrupted, we have bad thoughts, and as a result, we don't do things right, or worse yet, we don't do right things. 
What's the only thing the computer geek can do after that? He needs to replace the hard drive. Yep, or reformat it, wipe it clean, and start over. Now, your brain is like the hard drive on a computer, but it stores much, much more information. You know, your brains form a million new connections every second of your life. It's in these changing connections that memories are stored, habits are learned, and personalities are shaped. So, how do we corrupt our brains? How do we get that hard drive corrupted? What avenues can we corrupt our brains with? Well, it's from the senses. From the senses, right? right? The sight, the hearing, the taste, the smell, the touch, you know, or if we administer uh, mind-altering drugs, we can corrupt the hard drive. There are many things that one can do to corrupt this. We're going to call it a hard drive for our purposes right now. So let's talk about sight. I mean, what happens with what can you take in right nowadays, well, especially? Right. You know, it used to be back in the 50s, there there were the, they didn't even have bedroom scenes, let alone did they didn't, people. They wouldn't allow them to show a bathroom on Leave it to Beaver show. That's they right. They pulled a show off of the air because the top of the toilet tank was showing. This is incredible because nowadays, what do you see on TV? You, the, it, it's just an, it's unimaginable. unbelievable, the right. violence and the sex and everything else. And as we take that into our eyes, it goes to our brain and it, you know, it, it changes it and, it and it makes impressions on our brain. And as we learned in, in our very first episode by doc, that, that experiments by Dr. Wilder Penfield, when he probed the exposed uh, part of the brain of the temporal cortex the person relived experiences from the past that they did not remember before until he probed that part of the brain. So it's all up there. Right. Everything is up there. So we can take in, I mean, there's pornography, there's violence, there's, there's all these things that go on, these images that, that, that are impressed upon your mind. What about um, coming through your ears? That's right. Rock music. I know that I have a lot of very bad lyrics that are um, welded into my mind, hardwired into my mind. And all I have to do is hear the first part of that song and that whole song comes back. And sometimes I can't, sometimes I'm praying and one of those songs come into my head. Right. It's interesting. You could maybe not hear the song in 25 years and you hear a couple of notes and the whole thing comes. Why can't we uh, have the Bible in there like that? And I think it's because of how we hardwired our brains when we were so much when we were younger yeah and i and and we can have the bible in there like that it i don't know why uh why it's so much easier to get the bad stuff in and so much harder to get the good stuff at least that's what it seems it's what it seems like doesn't it see and a a song can take you back in time too maybe even to a physical place where you shouldn't go you you go back in your mind Right. And I, 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 I just did it in my mind right now. I thought of a song and I went back. To, I don't even want to tell you where I went. But that can happen. Right. What about foul language? You know, it took me so long to clean my mouth up because that was such a part of me. Mm-hmm. And now when I hear certain phrases or certain words, this whole train of bad language comes back. You, you, you know, all these adjectives and all these 
things that we used to use. So the hard drive, you know, is corrupted. What about drugs and alcohol? You know, you have nicotine, methamphetamine, cocaine, caffeine, beer, wine, hard liquor. It goes on and on. All these things can corrupt that hard drive, can't they? What about your sense of smell? Mm, for me, for me, it's cigarette smoke. If you smell cigarette smoke, what happens to you? It, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's different every time. Sometimes it makes me remember it. Sometimes it's it's not a good memory. But a lot of times it's like, oh, that smells good. Doesn't it? Yeah. Every once in a while I catch a whiff of cigarette and I'll say, that sure smells good. And you know it's not good you for know you. It's you. Not you know good. it's not good. You know it's not an option. You right. know you don't want it. Right. There's something still attractive about it, though. Um, same thing with the smell of alcohol. Right. And see, so these things are, are once again in the... What about touch? What about if you've ever been physically harmed in a certain way? Can that corrupt that hard drive? Yes. Oh, by all means. Immorality. So so what does God want to do with this brain, this hard drive that we've corrupted? What does he want to do? Well, we can go to the Bible and, and God will tell us. In Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. what does the Bible say? Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, did you, did you catch that? He says he will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. So does God call all the best surgeons in and they do something on your frontal lobe? Is that how it works? No. no. <laughs> that's not how it works? No. Don't you wish that's how it works sometimes? I wish it He just come in there and just R&R, remove it. That's not re- rest and relaxation. That's remove and replace. That's right. Um, no. God, once again in his word, will tell us how he, how he does it. His spirit does the surgery. In verse 27 of Ezekiel 36, it says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, see... At age 41, my computer crashed. I had made too many bad choices. There was too much corrupt information saved on my hard drive or stored on my hard drive. And I was all done. A, a human being can only take so much. Right. And something's got to give. And I know that I was at the point of no return. In fact, I actually had the impression, God gave me the impression that if I was going to use if I used drugs one more day, I was going to die. I was at a fork in the road, and I knew it. And God put it in my heart that, look, this is it. You're, you're, the next few decisions that you make, the next few choices that you make in the next couple of days are going to determine your destiny. What are you going to do? Susan, how old were you when your computer crashed? I was 35. And remember, how old were you emotionally? I was 10 emotionally. So there's a 25-year gap there. And this is the sad part, is we gave up something that we'll never get back. Something is missing from both of us. You know, you may have someone tell you they're just experimenting with this or experimenting with that. No, they're giving up a part of themselves. And it makes God very sad because we don't live the life that he has mapped out for us. And it makes him very sad to watch his children make these choices. However, he died so that we could be free to choose, even to be wrong. That's how much he loves us. 
and he will even allow us to make wrong choices. What does it mean to believe? What does it really mean to believe? It means to accept something that is true or real, or to be confident that somebody or something is worthwhile or, and here's the key word, trustworthy. Can we trust God? Yes. Can we trust a God that is not only willing to tell us that he love us, loves us, but he's willing to demonstrate how much he loves us? How did he demonstrate how much he loved us? By coming here and, and living as one of us and going going to the cross and dying for so each he, one of us. Yeah, so he just does not say, love me because God is love and that's all there is to it. He comes and he demonstrates that I love you so much, you can have the freedom to choose. And if you choose wrong, I will die for those wrong choices. Right. That's how much I love you. That is an incredible God. See, there became a, a, a time in both of our lives that we, we needed to make a decision. Were we going to begin to believe in this God, this God that we knew somehow had forgiven us and how, how somehow we were going to get another chance? But it is very spooky, very scary for a drug addict to go that route because he knows no other way. Now, we knew that at this point in time that it wasn't just, God wasn't just another way out, but he was the only way out. You know, you may know somebody or you may be even asking yourself right now, how do I know that God wants to help me? Well, if we ask what, if we ask God what he has to say about it, he will tell us. In Isaiah forty-one thirteen, it says, I am the Lord your God. I strengthen you and tell you, do not be afraid. I will help you. I will help you. Hope. That means there must be hope for those of us with too much corrupt information stored on the hard drive. There must be a way to unlearn that behavior. There's there, a way out. So what we have to do, the Bible's going to tell us. Let God reformat the hard drive. That's right. In Psalms 51, 7, it says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquities. And 51, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's kind of like a computer. Wipe it clean and start over. Wipe it clean and install that new operating system. So God says, uh, David says, wash me, blot out my iniquities. There he's wiping it clean and creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. There's the new operating system. Right. The new operating system that tells us to do right because it is right. The new operating system that, the, that gives us the desire to want to do right things. That's a whole new way of looking at things. God's promise in Hebrews 10:16, he says, "This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days," declares the Lord. "I will put my laws on their hearts and do what, Susan? I'll write them on their minds." Rewrite, you know. The, I'll never forget. I was sitting at a dinner table with a friend of mine. And my friend, uh, he he was working with someone who was really struggling with addictions. And by God's grace, the guy got clean and sober. He ended up he ended up doing better and better and better. And as my friend reflected on his work with him, he said this phrase, and it stuck in my mind. I'll never forget it. He said, we had to rewrite the whole hard drive. Wow. 
Revelation 14.1 says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's what? Name written on their foreheads. This means God's character. Right. That's what the name is, the character. You know, you ever heard a father say, I'm going to disown you and you no longer own my name? It's because you've been doing bad things and he doesn't like your character. But if you're of good character, your father is proud for you to carry on that name. So the father's name and the son's name are written in the foreheads. Folks, we're all going to surrender to something. We're all going to give ourselves over to something or someone. It may as well be Jesus because he accepts us just the way we are. He died for us just the way we are. We didn't have to do anything to impress him. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to impress him. But he just wants us to love him back. Now, Susan and I look back at some of the decisions we made in the past. We both agree that some of them were not very logical. In fact, if we'd be totally honest with ourselves, some of those decisions got us in a lot of trouble. And that's because our decisions weren't based on logic and reason, which is, you know, God says, come, let us reason together. But if you've ever made a decision based on anger, jealousy, frustration, chances are that decision was a bad one. But we can, when we follow God and allow him into our hearts, make choices based on logic and reason. Isaiah 118 says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Those your, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know, and so we had to look at things logically. What would happen if we believed in God? And what would happen if we didn't believe in God? Right, you had to do the pros and the cons. The pros and cons, <laughs> write down the list, yes. the checklist, and then make your decision based on logic. Write right. down the goods, write down the bads. Well, if we believed in God, we determined one thing, we'd have help in time and need. We had heaven to look forward. We began with a positive, we, we knew we could have a positive outlook. We'd be free from our addiction. We could get healthy again. We could get our bodies back. I wanted my body back. I used to run track. I used to be very athletic. I wanted my body back. We could find happiness and new friends. And the one thing that I that I was really looking forward to is the peace. The peace that and it the brings. Calmness the calmness. The calmness. Instead of the chaos. The chaos. I mean, life used to be so chaotic, so dysfunctional. And it seems like we used to thrive on that dysfunction, that chaos of of. Managing your life by act, by reaction and not action, it's it's terrible to to run to run your life by by reaction and not action. And that's what we get when we don't. But when that was our list of not believing in God, we not, had chaos. We had no outside help, no hope after death. In fact, no hope at all. Stuck in our addictions, never getting over the bad health issues. And stuck in the same rut. And, of course, the worst thing, instead of happiness, was sadness. God's ways are different than ours. And in order to know God, we first must believe that he is. See, we like to say, let me believe it. Let me see it, and I'll believe it. But God says, believe it, and I'll let you see it. Now, next week, we're going to talk about complete control. By that, we, we don't mean that we have complete control, but we're going to talk about what it means to give God complete control of your life. Does that mean you're going to be a puppet? No. You know, it's interesting, see, because in the Garden of Eden, God said, stay away from run, one tree, but you can have every other tree. That's true freedom, see? 
But the devil flipped it around and said, God will not allow you to this one tree. What's up? He's withholding something. We think the same thing when we go to choose God. The devil has us believing that we're not free, that we need to be free to smoke, free to drink, free to get angry when we want to get angry, free to swear. That's bondage. That's bondage. We're free to do a bunch of good things, but bondage is the evil that gets rutted into our brains, and it controls us and takes away our freedom to choose. So that's next week. We'll talk about complete control and what it means to give your what it really means to give your life over to the care of God, not to his control as a puppet, but under his control so that we can do the right things because it is the right thing. And to so do. that we can have life and have it more abundantly. That's right. And remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. And the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.